Games you deserve. I'm Eric, and this week on Games You Deserve, I'm stuck on a deserted island. Plus, I'm Dan. Another mini system is on its way to the North American market. Are these nostalgia boxes worth the investment? Plus, I'm Smitty, and the game of the week has us doing our best Hadouken. GameStop's never really been great about your used stuff. They give you less no. than you really want. They charge more than you really want. It's it's always been kind of the the last resort. It's like, I guess I'll turn these in for a few bucks. Well, know? is there anywhere? I know this is going to be a strange question, but I mean, can they really set the valuation of every single game? Is there no third party you know resource that actually? deems what's valuable in 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 the grade you know abc you know for scratches or something is there no third-party verification so gamestop just gets to say oh animal crossing huh well it's 14 days old that means it's worth 30 cents you know they, they mean, set the they set the prices I mean, that's what i'm saying it's a, they set it for their trade-in value right correct. so you trade it in for other stuff that's how they that's yeah how they and then they turn it. around and charge again but there should be a third party you know that actually kind of helps do that you know that of, of like a collective of gamers almost that would be able to say okay yeah we can take some you know data about how many units were sold how many units are in circulation you know you can maybe get some statistics on playability if there's okay wait a minute here but i remember saying- beckett do you remember back in the day the beckett magazine for baseball cards I, yeah, I wouldn't. Be, I know what you're talking about, but I wasn't a baseball card guy. So. That's that's essentially what that was. Or how about Wizard for comics? Oh yeah, well there you go. Of right. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wizard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of the coast, you know. <laughs> but I know yeah, it, it had a a price guide in it. Same with Beckett; it was a price mm-hmm. guide. Yeah, yeah, and it set the that market value for all those things. How come we don't have that anymore? Have that yeah. for video games? Well, and especially with the value of collectible things that are being produced i mean heck the stuff that that i make the stuff what we make for special reserve games is uh i mean it's called preserving art you know in everything we do because that's that's what you know preserving the digital art and then we are absolutely using high quality materials and i'm you know we're we're actually wrapping things to protect them and stuff so we're absolutely like stuff like that the eBay yeah. has become the secondary market for that. It's just eBay, you know, and which is usually everyone just tries to double what they paid for it is what it looks like on eBay. Um, so at least for our stuff, I can't speak for like anybody else's like a limited run or somebody like that. Maybe you would know more about that, Eric, but I think there's maybe we're on to something. Hey, by the time this episode airs, don't worry. We've already trademarked everything and you guys are already way, way behind. <laughs> don't even try. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Get ready for the first edition. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The games guy. coming to print tomorrow. <laughs> Whoever's listening in on this private conversation, you did not sign a non-disclosure. You're in violation of something that I just made up. <laughs> but yeah, but the, I, I do mean, like the idea though of creating a guide. That would be well, and I think it should be, be a something. community. You know, uh, not voted on. That'd be kind of weird. But like you, you know, like. Uh, 
Metacritic or something, you know, like the, you know, there's a collective of multiple things, you know, that. Well, I think in today's world, you could almost automate some of that by looking at various places (laughs) where these things are sold and say, okay, you know, how much, how much does it sell here? How much does it sell there? And start charting it and have it automatically kind of fill all in those But you've got kind of a Kelly Blue Book for automobiles, you know, kind of thing where you say, well, your car's worth this if you're trying to trade it in for another car, that's your trading value. But if you're trying to sell it first party, here's what it, and so that first party sale is always a few thousand dollars more than that trade-in value. So does that mean when my Xbox crashes, I don't get as much out of it. Well, yeah. if it's got any colors of rings of death, uh, yeah, those are bad. <laughs> but uh, no, maybe if, but that would mean, um, so kind of hedging or not hedging, but kind of, you know, going back to an earlier conversation here about um, changing with this COVID BS is what about selling things direct to each other? You know, so I've got a game, so I don't need GameStop anymore. We go through a portal. And that portal, uh, you know, uh, either we could do a pickup from home or some kind of drop off or whatever. And, you know, that way I'm selling direct to you. You know, you pay me through PayPal or Venmo or Zelle or whatever it is. Right. And um, so you've got the option of selling direct to me or and there's a valuation for doing that. And let's just say it's ten dollars. Or if you buy it at a store, you know, the valuation on that game is going to be fifteen dollars. You know what? It, there's like a, a an incentive for us to cut out the middleman and get rid of the 30% markup, you know, typically yeah. a big buy. You know, I mean, no surprise here, guys. People like GameStop and Best Buy and Walmart. They, they mark, want money? Well, they mark things up, you know, and, and they take a chunk out of our, our sales. I mean, it's uh, yeah. usually that's a 30%. You know, retail usually that's, takes 30%. That's food out of your daughter's mouth. <laughs> well, well, my whole thing is it is kind of interesting to say your store – would be a big empty shell without 10,000 pieces of, uh, you know, inventory in it, right? And all those inventory were made by 9,000 different companies, you know, all around the world. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, to me, uh, I think the idea of big box retail being the only way (laughs) that you could buy movies, music, you know, I mean, and then, oh, let me see, books. Someone changed that game a long time ago Mm. for books, right? And uh, so I I think that idea of big box retail, it has changed in such a way. And then the the world of gaming is already so real-time digital download, you know, the DLC downloaded while we're talking, you know, those, that's how things happen now. Um, and the idea of the, the physical, tangible good going to a store to buy it new, um, it's, you know, it's not as important anymore because it's not the only way you can get that tangible physical good put in, put, you know, put in your hands. So that's, yeah, I think there's probably is going to be a, an evolution of maybe how physical games are distributed and, you know, I'm not voting for or against GameStop here. I'm not condemning their model in any way. I'm just saying that model of big box retail um, to, to get all that stuff. That's been long dead uh, with the invent of Amazon and delivery, everything. But so I just, I, I think maybe a more peer-to-peer uh, selling and trading of physical games would be to our advantage as collectors you know if yeah. we could de- if we could develop that so anyway that was a long way of getting to that point wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> no it's a good point. i yeah. want to say though that that guy's name is also jeff 
<laughs> Some people call them Hefe. Now oh, that's possible. <laughs> hey there, uh, I'm looking to sell my mint condition copy of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. What? I'll give you two bucks for it. Fine. <laughs> Can I buy that from you now? Um, yeah. That'll be $5,000. Five $5,000? $5, uh-huh. Okay. One, two. All right, so this week I asked the Discord a question, specifically the dog fathers. By the way, if you guys want to be a dog father and get in the know, super secret information from Smitty himself, he'll whisper it. He'll whisper these sweet nothings directly into your ear. Oh, no, that's just weird. It is weird, but but that's some people are into that. Um, all you got to do is nitro boost our Discord server, and uh, you too can be a dog father. But I asked him this question. I said, if you were stuck on a deserted island and could have only one video game to play for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Lauren Bacall. So, no, video oh, game. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> video game. And, now, I want to know if anybody came back with the, well, I guess you have power on this deserted island and you have like electricity. And we're going to assume all the luxuries. Yeah, we're going to assume that it's the best <laughs> deserted island you've ever been on. And and there's Internet and power and you don't so have to worry you're not, about that. You're not like Tom Hanks what if it in, uh, in Castaway here. Yeah, what if it only had a Wii on it? <laughs> oh, no. That that <laughs> would be terrible. It, and Wii it didn't have Wii, forever. Wii Sports maybe had been my, erased in the, my, in the yeah, crash. Yeah, maybe that's my choice. Yeah. You get red steel and that's it. There's no other game. Yeah. Um, no, but I'm, I'm curious. What, what what would you guys choose? What would be the only video game if you had to be stranded on a deserted island? Probably the one that would kill me and take me away from my suffering. Uh... So we sports. We're right back to it. <laughs> I'm going to go with Scanners, the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a 1980s movie reference. Whatever. Most Your of head's my references gonna explode. are 1980s <laughs> yeah. references. I was always could get lost in Joust forever, Ooh. and I always loved Joust, and I considered it the hardest game. I could never truly master it. So I always felt like I had to keep playing it to stay good at it. So I don't know, like joust to me would be fun because it was never ending. There was a never ending challenge. I could never really beat the game. If you will. Yeah. Yeah. That was common for a lot of those games in in that time. Like just kept ramping. It was all about the points. Just get as many points as you can. And yeah, try and beat your score yeah. that was it so those games points. yeah that you could play them infinitely and not have to worry about uh, getting bored yeah. yeah can you really beat joust i don't think you that's can. what i was saying no that's what i was saying there's no point yeah. you could continually okay. just you're beating yourself you know you're beating your high score or uh, if i'm on a deserted island i sure as hell am you'd be beating yourself all day <laughs> oh. nah, you just, it was right there it was wide that open. was the idea i see <laughs> It, yeah, we're all dudes. Uh, we're all dudes. <laughs> <laughs> all dudes here, right? <laughs> See, for me, I don't know. Um, I, I thought about, like, 
just having a mindless puzzle game like Tetris would be good. But at the same time, I do like a lot of the storytelling aspects of, of gaming. So for me, I think something like Grand Theft Auto V would probably be ah. something I could just keep playing over and over again. Like there's endless playability in that game. Even if you finish everything, you can still screw around in the in the world and do different things. So yeah, I would go with Grand Theft Auto V, I think. And you'd feel like you weren't on a desert island. You were in the big city, baby. That's right. You're not going to play uh, San Andreas? Well, I, I do like San Andreas. I feel like the world of five is bigger. Sure. But San Andreas is like a I really mean, good. Come on, Vice City. What's wrong with OG? <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. Well, the OG is the is the top down. A know. little different. Well, yeah. that was a director's cut. Uh, well, that was a one and two. And then director's cut to London. We actually published that in North right. America under Gathering of Developers um, for Take Two, because uh, Take Two was I our, our partner in Europe. And um, so, yeah, Grand Theft Auto Director's Cut to London. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember that game. I remember playing that game. And yeah, that was the I last really of the it. top down driver, though. The next one was. I think Vice you could City. still get it on Steam when they bundle it with other GTA pack, like in a mm -hmm. giant pack. I think they still make it available. So, yeah. All right. Well, so your game, Eric? I, I, you stole a little bit of my thunder there. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tell you <laughs> right away because uh, my, uh, I had two choices in my head. I, now I feel like I have to go the other direction. Originally, I was gonna say Tetris because literally, oh, okay, just like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Forever to master, but no, that's okay because my other choice is Super Mario Maker. Oh yeah, you're a Mario. That's you. That you're yeah. right. That is yours. You shouldn't have even contemplated Tetris. What are you talking? Well, I about? mean, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you could sit there and just create infinite courses. I, I debated on whether I should go with one or two. There are definitely improvements on two, but I think the fact that with the Wii U tablet, you can use the stylus and like place the pieces on the touchscreen, that made the first version in many ways superior. Um, maybe not in gameplay or whatever, but just the ability to, to sit there with the, the tablet. I mean, you can pull the, the switch out of the dock and, and do that. But then I always feel like I want to play with the pro controller on a larger screen. So going to handheld for the play portion kind of, but either way, super Mario maker, it's, it's infinite uh, Mario. What's better than that? Yeah. It's me, infinite Mario. <laughs> I think that needs like a sound effect to repeat, like a repeating sound effect. So it's just infinite, infinite, infinite. It's me, infinite Mario, infinite Mario, infinite Mario, infinite, infinite, infinite Mario. I pulled the dog fathers on this, like I said. And so I want to give you guys some of the answers from some of these guys. So we're going to call out some of these guys by name because they're, Ooh, they're, well, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're great supporters of Special Reserve. They love us. We love them. Um, so kind of going down and, and if you guys want to comment on any of these games, interrupt me, uh, Ninja guy X said final fantasy 14, 14, 14. <laughs> that's my dog sound for the dog fathers. That was for the good. dog fathers. It's a yeah. Every, every time you say dog fathers, I'm going to go. <laughs> that's I'm stepping on my dog's so, tail. Final Fantasy. Yeah, so Final Fantasy fourteen. I I I love yeah. the idea of a Final Fantasy game being one of the selections because they can yeah. be terribly in depth. You know, you can spend a lot of time on them. Well, then you could just stop right here and just say between uh, four answers there, you got four drastically 
really different games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are four completely different games in all ways. Like Dan goes to story driven, you know. I go to infinite play, you know, never ending kind of thing, you know, whatever. So I, when I think Final Fantasy, I thought about that. And I thought it was, for me, it would be Final Fantasy seven, just because that's the one that really like just, I was obsessed with when I was out, but uh 14, I hear I've actually never played 14. So I don't know oh, that one specifically, but I hear it's very good. Yeah. It's a good franchise for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Pachuku says binding of Isaac. Jeez. Mm, okay. Binding of Isaac. That's a that's a uh, pretty much an infinitely replayable game. Uh, Edmund McMullen was the guy that uh, developed that, and uh, yeah, old Eddie Mac. it's a tough game. Boris Spider says Hollow Knight. That is a great game. Uh, my my son is playing that right now, and he's obsessed. And it's a very very good game. Way to go, Boris. It's pretty in-depth. Eat Snacky S'mores and Zim Zalabim. Two different guys. <laughs> they both chose Bloodborne. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Bloodborne. And you get that Soulsborne mm-hmm. difficulty going on. I was kind of hoping you were going to so. say they, they chose Blood Rain, <laughs> which was uh, you know made by oh, my gosh, former company, no. Thermal Reality. Good. But uh, I was like, yeah, never mind that. <laughs> Yeah, I, hey, I wasn't there when that game that, came out. That might come up in the next uh, category that I'm going to tell you in a minute. But but let's see here. Locke, Locke said DJ Max Respect V, which that's a totally different genre yeah. than everything else we're talking about. We're, that's a rhythm yeah. game. Yeah, is he playing that in mm. Oculus? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, with all the music yeah. and everything. Yeah, keep yeah. yourself active, you know, like uh, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Smangarang says Earthbound. So if you're into uh, kind of a classic RPG on SNES. Or as as everybody, uh, what we agreed earlier, all all the old people in our life, what did they call that? The Nintendo. (laughs) Go play your Nintendo. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Any parent, it doesn't matter what console it was, it was a Nintendo. Just go play the Nintendo. But mom, it's a Genesis. Now, yeah, go play. (laughs) It's like down in in, uh, Texas, man. Everyone says... uh, can I get a Coke? And they're like, yeah. And they, they said, well, I brought you a Coke. Well, I wanted Dr. Pepper. Yeah, Coke. <laughs> well, then why didn't you <laughs> yeah, say I mean, that? Everything's a Coke. <laughs> I mean, did, no, did you want Pepsi? No. Yes, I wanted Pepsi. Well, why'd you order a Coke? It's a Coke. <laughs> you know, it's not a soda pop. They think everything's a Coke. But anyway, sorry. Uh, yes, back to the back to the action. Back to the Discord. <laughs> yes, yes, you are old. I know. And my <laughs> mind is fading. In the background? <laughs> it's not me. It's Dan. Uh, Kingsley Cake says Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So that's that's wow. a big RPG. Go Kingsley Cake. Yeah, that's a good one too. Kingsley yeah. Cake was popping on the voice channel earlier. Speaking of retail uh, stores, I made the mistake of buying a version of that game, um, but I didn't realize they, they were, uh, it was the European version uh, that didn't work with my Wii. So I was oh. very upset about that. Oh. When, I, when I got it home, I was like, and they're like, hey, we didn't, like, it, it's, I mean, if I look at the cover, you can tell it's got the is different it, rating oh, yeah, symbol the Peggy on it. or whatever. Yeah, it's or the right? Peggy rating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it a, but is it a PAL format? Is that what it is? It's, it's formatted for PAL, not NTSC? Yeah, exactly. So it's, and all the voices are British. I did end up getting it to work, but all the voices in it are British, which is weird. <laughs> And then uh, the last person that commented on the uh, their favorite was What's a Mod? And Smitty, you'll appreciate this one. He chose Prince of Persia. Oh, yeah. That's a good game. Yeah. Good for him. That's uh, definitely a PC <laughs> classic back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Well, and he's a hacker. 
Oh, yeah. Altamont, he's a hacker PC dude, man. What if, That's right. what if you had to watch the video, the movie version of the video game that you chose as well? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're gonna get to so that. You have to watch. <laughs> We're gonna get to that later. That's that. Yeah, Prince of Persia was not a good movie. I'm going. I'm gonna tell you mine right now. Max Payne. Uh, <laughs> probably a better movie. All right. So just for fun, I also asked them what would be the worst game to to get stuck. And some people took it an interesting direction. So Ninja Guy X said Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Oh, I was Big gonna say Prince of Persia. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Smangerang brought up some, I think this is a, a, an SNES game, and it's called Captain Novalin. Captain huh. Novalin. Do you know that one? I don't even know that game. No, never heard of it. Yeah. That, talk about obscure. Uh, Locke said <laughs> Astral Chain, which just came out for the Switch this last year. Uh, but yeah. but their their reasoning was is that the game got really frustrating to them, and so it would be uh. hell to be stuck with that. Kingsley Cake went for my went for one of my uh, least favorites, Troll and I. I think that was pandering. <laughs> you think? Yeah, Zim Zalabim went for Dragon Age Two. They said that that just straight up stunk. Yeah, yeah, it's garbage. And then Snare also was pandering to me and said Chicken Range, which I will say is my least favorite Switch game. Oh, my dog just can't help barking. At the old Amazon deliveries. Welcome back to Fireflower, from paper to pixels, my micro-documentary looking at the history of Nintendo. If you've missed part one, be sure to listen to episode five of the Games You Deserve podcast, where I covered the humble beginnings of Nintendo in 1889 through the founder Fusijiro Yamauchi's retirement in 1929, leaving the future of the company in the hands of Sekirio Yamauchi. Tucked away on an unassuming street near the Kamo River in the Shimogayo Ward of Kyoto Prefecture, Nintendo's new headquarters was under construction. The building, completed in 1930, is styled in the Art Deco design of the era and to this day retains a pair of signs, one in Japanese and one in English, that mark the building with the name of the famous tenant. Nintendo would remain headquartered at this location until 1959. The building is currently owned by an asset management company controlled by the Yamauchi family. In 2021, the facility is set to become a 20-room hotel with a restaurant, bar, gym, and spa, and the asset management company has assured Nintendo that the building's historic roots will be maintained for future generations. In 1933, Securio led the company to a slight name change, establishing the unlimited partnership Yamauchi Nintendo and Company. This signified the growth that Nintendo had experienced, becoming largely the most successful playing card company in Japan. This growth would continue through Sekiryo's tenure as the president of Nintendo, eventually leading to the establishment of the Marafuku Company Limited in 1947, which was now its own separate entity for the manufacture and distribution of the playing cards produced by Nintendo. Although most of the 1940s were filled with solid growth for Nintendo, 
the decade was bookended by unfortunate events. On January 1st of 1940, at the age of 80, Nintendo's founding father, Fusajiro Yamauchi, suffered a stroke and passed away. In 1948, a second tragedy struck when Sekiro Yamauchi also suffered a stroke and was forced to retire the following year due to his poor health conditions. Although largely a quiet tenure, Sekiro led Nintendo during a time of early maturation. Nearing his death, Sekiro handed control of Nintendo over to his grandson, Hiroshi Yamauchi, a mere 21-year-old college student at the time. Sekiro passed away in 1951, and yet another new chapter of Nintendo was beginning. Under Hiroshi's leadership in 1951, the company was renamed yet again, this time to Nintendo Karuta Company Limited. The word karuta in Japanese is derived from the Portuguese word karta, or card. Two years later, in 1953, Nintendo became the first company in Japan to begin mass-producing playing cards from plastic. Plastic cards generally have greater durability. The company's ability to produce a high-quality product as an industry leader led to an unlikely partnership with Disney. Over 600,000 sets of Disney playing cards were sold by Nintendo in a single year. A tremendous success by any definition and an early sign of entry into a market for children's toys and games, where Nintendo would continue to find success. But before the eventual turn towards youth entertainment, Hiroshi began to diversify and branch out into other areas of business. The first experiment was the founding of Daya, or Diamond, in 1960. Daya was a taxi service which, although successful, had cost control issues stemming from continuous negotiation with taxi driver unions, whose high salary and benefits demands eventually drove Hiroshi to sell the company, which still operates to this day. The 1960s were about to be a strange decade for Nintendo, and it only gets weirder from here. talking about coronavirus earlier and although uh the little turbo graphics 16 mini has been delayed due to that they did release the pc engine mini in japan so they've got their own little mini console version of that that's out and available it's got a it's chock full of games it's kind of kind of neat because you know that was not a system at least when I think of the United States version, the TurboGrafx-16, that was very popular. Not as many people got to play that. Hell, there's a lot of people I, I that haven't even I seen it. I remember wanting to. I remember seeing the ads for it and going, man, I really want to try that that system. Like when I was a kid and, and watching like the Bonk's Adventure and uh, and uh, Splatterhouse and those games, I really did want to uh, to try those out. But I did, I did, you know, play it at some friends, but I, I never actually had it myself. Gates of Thunder or Gate of Thunder? I think it was Gates of Thunder. I think was one of the other games on there. Okay, like a shooter. Lords, Lords of Thunder. I'm looking at the list right here. Is it Lords Lord, of Thunder? Lord, Lords of Thunder. Yeah, just like in uh, Thor, <laughs> the Lord of Thunder. I thought we called them so, yeah, Sparkles. That's... 
Sparkle. So yeah, that that is one of the games here. On the, I'm looking at the list of the. It games was like a the, it was uh, like a shooter, game. like a space shooter. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, I, 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 that came on a disc, I think. Uh, that had or it came built into the system or something with a demo of that, and then it had um, Bonk's Adventure and Bonk's Adventure Two all in one thing, like a menu where you could pick from those. I, I always thought that mm-hmm. was fascinating. It was like, oh, man, you get three of these games all at one shot like that? Well, what's interesting about this this uh, mini system is that it's got games from the original CD, the original system and the CD system. Yeah. And all this stuff all put all together. Like, it's got all these games from all these different systems all in one platform, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely cool. I, I What do you think about all these mini consoles that are coming out? I mean, it's... There's there's two things like the what the Play Asia you know selling that PC engine many things ninety nine bucks, and so it's uh, I mean just depending it, from a collectability standpoint you know it's kind of one of those things that you say well I I want the actual hardware you know as the collection and then I think a lot of them are going to be just the games you know like uh, you know don't you remember the things that they used to sell like I got a lot of them where they they were teeny tiny little miniature versions of an arcade game and it oh, would yeah. come with like Pac-Man and Galaga oh, yeah. and stuff and you just plugged it right into the to the R or uh, the uh, They still sell those. The, yeah, right? And yeah. the games on board and it's just kind of fun and it's a control it is the controller it all comes down to the games really it's like because I would buy 15 of those teeny tiny little plug and plays just because I liked each one of the games. Uh, but, but if they did have one that had a hundred games on it, I would buy that too, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just, you've got to like the games you'd be able to play on it. And then I guess it's, it's, it's worth it. And it's very portable. You know, I guess that's the other part, you know, you don't, you can literally throw it in your backpack, take it with you, you know, take it with you everywhere. And that also makes it kind of you know, kind of cool. It's not a switch, you know, like that. Kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Those are the only things I see value in them. I'm not a real collector of that kind of stuff. Well, the only way to get that experience is to have either the real system and have the real games like a collector, or, or if you don't have, you know, the resources to buy that kind of stuff, you can get one of these things and get like, for the example, the Genesis mini has 40 games and get 40 Genesis games on this thing to play. Right. And it's a, it's a bit of nostalgia. Like you can play all these cool games you played as a kid. Well, and the and the really good ones, the the like like the Genesis one or the the ones that Nintendo has put out, they get in with the details, and so the case, yeah, it's just a tiny version of that. It really does look a lot like what you originally had, but I got to tell you, the best thing about it for me when I bought these um, as each one's come out is the controller because they've pretty much in each instance recreated the original controller, uh, pretty much down to everything it's the same feel the same weight the same buttons they're so darn close to the original and that's what to me makes a big difference in playing a game is how that controller feels yeah because you can download um you know an older nintendo game on the switch through their store you can download the old mario games but you're playing it on a switch controller and that's not the same as playing it on a super nintendo controller if you're playing like super mario world right you want to play that on the original uh super nintendo controller yeah, it feels more authentic when you do that. It just got a different uh, a different look to it. Plus, they've got the menu options where you can do things like turning on scan lines, you know, make it look a little mm. bit more like an old school CRT <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, my Lord. Oh, yeah, they, the they go all out, man. They go all out. You can really do it. And, and then there's this subculture of these things of modifying them. Um, I, I got really heavy into that when the, the NES one first came out. I uh, got 
kind of wanted to figure out what this thing was. And when you took it apart, it turns out that like the chips on them are pretty much the same as like a cell phone. I'll say it's, it's not exact, but it's close. Uh, arm pro a little arm processor with some basic stuff, you know, on the board. And so at that point, once people figured that out and they're like, Oh, if you just, you know, you do these things, you solder this here, we can, we can dig in and figure out what this, how this thing works and we can figure out how to debug it and all that. And they did every single one of these little mini consoles has been completely deconstructed. And now you, you can, you know, find these apps to download and add games. It's, it's kind of, kind of nuts, but at their core, I still think like, it's this nostalgia, like you said. You get something that looks just like the original, feels just like the original, and then you just hope that it plays like the original. Well, you hope you're as good as you remember being uh, when you played that game. And I'm when not you're younger. And you're never. Are. And I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not that young anymore. Now, the only downside to this is that is that it is a lot. I mean, I guess the, what you're talking about there when they when they crack it and and jailbreak it or whatever, they can add games to it. Is that what they're doing with that? That is what they're doing with that. Yeah. Some of them have so some that, room, you know, some storage on yeah. them. You know. So it's too bad that you know that's the way you have to do it because I would love to be able to add more games to this without having to go through all that. Right, I legally. wish there was a legitimate, yeah, mm -hmm. legitimate way to actually buy like a download or something. I don't know, and then actually just add more games to the system down the side. I think that's an opportunity they're missing because they could be selling these games individually as as, as DLC, right, as add-on content. But then you have to put a modem in it or something. Even if it was like bulk. Like these things, because they look just like the originals, even if you had a way to stick like a little cartridge that had a, a memory card on it, you know, where you could just, you know, this one comes with another 10 games, you know, buy that for 20 yeah. bucks and, you know, plug that in. I think, I think they did definitely miss the boat on that one. So the, like, what do they expect people to buy a whole new one when they come up with another version with new games? Like people are going to do it that. It really hasn't happened. They pretty much, each one has just come out with, with one exception, I think Neo Geo uh, has come out with multiple versions of that in Japan. And sometimes the game has changed, but pretty much across the board, it's been, here's the NES one, here's the Super Nintendo one, here's the Gen the Genesis one, uh, here's the PlayStation one, which by the way, missed the mark. The, the the PlayStation. Now you say you say that. I was just gonna say like it, I'm looking at the games here. It actually has Grand Theft Auto. Speaking of that, it has the original Grand Theft Auto, and it has Metal Gear Solid, which is one of my favorite games for the PlayStation. It's got some good games here. It's got some good games there, but there's still some other games that are uh, maybe missing. <laughs> I'll say Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo. That's weird. That's a weird one. Right. There's some choices that you kind of go <laughs> really, and and Intelligent with Cube. Which is an interesting and unique game, but I don't know. I never found that mm. one to be fun. Um, no, but the there's only like 20 games on that one. You know, yeah, that's that's not enough. I, maybe they felt because the PlayStation was higher up in the uh, tier than assumed Nintendo, they didn't have to put as many games in it. But that's not that's no, not the case. I don't at all. think that's the case. I I think the only company that can get away with that and win is Nintendo, just because yeah. they've got the entire you know brand behind it. So. <laughs> Mr. Driller, this is one of the PlayStation games. Mr. Mr. Driller is not bad. Mr. Driller okay. is not bad. You should try that one. <laughs> okay, I'll try that. You one. Try that one. I'll go get myself a PlayStation Mini and try that one. Yeah, they did. I don't know how else I'm going to play that. They did not put the analog, uh, the DualShock, as the controller though. They gave you the original. Yeah, well, that was the original PlayStation controller. That's right. right. So that seems. I, d I didn't like that, though, because I always thought that the thumbsticks no. felt really good. It's just a personal preference, though. Everybody, I'm sure there's others that are like, no, I 
if I'm going to play PlayStation 1, I have to have it without those. I think there's probably going to be some more of these that eventually come out. It, there's there's some other systems out there that somebody's going to want to do. Hell, Nintendo will probably release a little Nintendo 64 at some point or a, a Game Boy version of it or something. So. Now Capcom is going to put out uh, Street Fighter Arcade, every version of Street Fighter ever made. They've already yeah. done something like that. They <laughs> Capcom put out a... It's basically a two-player arcade controller with the word Capcom as the base. And when you plug it in, you get things like Street Fighter 2 and a few other other games on there. Supposedly, it's not too bad, but I'm, I'm not dropping the kind of money that they want for that one. Hmm. Ken would be very disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it is it is fun to see that the... the, the think what we're kind of zeroing in a little bit on here too is still just you know why i enjoy what i'm doing and what we're all still doing in the magic of video games is it's video games by definition it's on a screen <laughs> you know it's not in your hands it's not football baseball it's video games i mean it's uh it's a digital platform but for as far as i can remember i have a physical association with so many of the different games just what we're talking about the the, the, the stick, you know, the, the controller, excuse me, for PlayStation 1, you know, versus maybe when we were at the arcade talking about track and field, you know, and the pencils and stuff. You know, like I have a physical association to the digital experience of uh, video games as far as I can remember. So I just think that's kind of interesting. There's not many other forms like that. Like I could say the first time I saw Star Wars, like we're, uh, yeah, I remember I stood in line with my mother to go see Empire Strikes Back, but I can't tell you what the seat felt like in the theater or if I <laughs> ate popcorn or what kind of soda I drank. Right. You know, there was right. not an, it's not that immediate physical association. Um, that, so I think that is kind of interesting how video games, have that they bridge both worlds the fantasy and reality <laughs> all yeah, the time i think i think that the that that's why I zero in so much on the idea of the controller holding the controller in my hand and it feels so identical to the original because that you can't replicate i could i could go online and i could find a rom of whatever game i want to play and load up an emulator and 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 do that right and i could probably do that for free and find it and whatever and yeah i get to play the game and i might even enjoy playing the game it's not the same as the original experience that's why the collecting thing is so great because you can grab a cartridge grab a controller plug it in and have the same experience when you have the physical item in your hand i really that it's such a such a deep feeling, right? The texture of the controller, the well, texture. Of the well, cartridge. it's part of being human. <laughs> you know what That's I'm saying? Right. I think I'm just gonna say because you're we're tricking everybody uh, with visuals that are absolutely not real in a physical form by any stretch. But um, it, and so yeah, you it, it's it's trickery. <laughs> you know, it's fan it's fantasy, and uh, you know. So I just think it's so interesting how. Um, how we, I, have always had such a physical connection to digital video games. <laughs> Round one, fight! I thought uh, it would be great to choose something that is pretty dear to my heart as a uh, 
as a gamer. Um, I, I think back about arcades, uh, the time that I spent in arcades growing up. And I think that arcades kind of had two major periods. You had the late 70s, early mid 80s, then it kind of fell off for a while. And then the early 90s happened, and there was another resurgence of that. And there's one game in particular that has a whole franchise surrounding it, um, and, and primarily Street Fighter II. Street Fighter 2 and the entire Street Fighter line, to be honest. What was Street Fighter 1? First of all, let's get that out of the way. Street Fighter 1 by Capcom came out in 1987. Okay. And uh, there were actually two different versions of it. The the kind of the more interesting one, I think, was the first one where each player had a joystick and two buttons. And the buttons were these giant uh, pressure-sensitive buttons, one for kick and one for punch. So you would move your character, whether it was Ryu or Ken, back and forth, up and down, you know, and you would slam your hand on the punch or the kick button. And depending upon how hard you hit it is whether it was light, medium, or hard uh, in the end result. It's just this really Uh wacky thing. It was really hard to play like that. But when they put it into the six-button format, which is what everybody knows the standard became, uh, then it kind of gained some serious popularity and uh they they sequeled it in 91 and and that gave you so many more characters to play with yeah street fighter 2 became a, a true true phenomenon if you look at all of the various incarnations of street fighter 2 over time it has grossed and most of this was in arcades over 10 billion dollars think about that for for a minute one franchise i love thinking about that yeah (laughs) Yeah. now when it when it when that first one came out you could play as each other when street fighter 2 that first street fighter 2 came out you could play as each other but you couldn't pick the same character so if i picked ryu you couldn't pick ryu you had to pick somebody else if you wanted to play the same kind of character you had to pick ken that's right right yeah that is and they and you couldn't play the enemies you couldn't play, you know, Vega or M. Bison or any of those guys. So they revised it and they came out with what we know here of Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. But Street Fighter 1 was, and they did it on the Commodore 64, right? They, they had literally every gaming platform ever and every computer type ever mm-hmm. has had some sort of Street Fighter game. No, but Street Fighter 1. Street Fighter 1. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it, it was. It was crude on on that one, but yeah, you could totally do it. But Street Fighter Two was really where it, it grabbed a hold, yeah. uh, and and it, it started you know creating a, a mass frenzy, and and arcades became popular again, pretty much literally just because of Street Fighter Two. Yeah, I remember playing it actually at a local Seven Eleven when they used to still have arcade games at Seven <laughs> yeah. Eleven, and I would go. I was in I was in high school, and I would go there on break and go across the street to the Seven. We just play each other, and it was it was just like the old arcades where you put our quarter down, and okay, I got next. Yep. I'll take them on. And and to be fair, I don't remember that first version of Street Fighter. I only remember the version in which you could choose the enemies. Um, so I was always uh, um, Balrog. I'm sorry. Is it Balrog? What's his name? I, well, I'm going to say Balrog. What can I remember that guy's name? The green guy. M, uh, yeah, Blanca is what you're thinking. Blanca. 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 Balrog. It's like that's the Lord of the Rings monster. Yeah, Blanc. <laughs> Balrog is also, is also from Brazil. Street Fighter. Yeah. Yes, Blanca oh, he is a Street Fighter. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's right. So I always picked him because I like the little spin move he could do that uh, that little like kind of cannonball uh, shoot across the screen, and I thought it was really easy because you just kind of twirl the joystick really quickly, and you can get it. 
Yep. Um, that basically chose my players based on the ease of their special moves. That's all I, I did. <laughs> well, I, I remember that uh, the, the game, I, I was in middle, I'm really dating myself on this. I was in middle school when all the Street Fighter hype was, was happening. And uh, we had at least three stores in this corner mall by the middle school that had it. There was a baseball card shop that had one. There was a video video rental store, a family-owned, not a blockbuster, like a family-owned video rental store that had one. And then right next to that was a little pizzeria. So what would happen is, is that all the kids would run over into this area and you'd, you'd go into one of these places and just play Street Fighter all afternoon uh, when you were supposed to be doing homework. Yeah, yeah, but here's here, I, I did do a, one little bit of research on this. I wanted to ask you about this, Senor, Senor Eric. Did you or had you ever played the, um, uh, you know, it would, you were right with that Balrog, but uh, there was a, a, a version, a Japanese version of Street Fighter 2 that had Mike Tyson in it, but it was, he was named M. Bison. Uh, yes, that's the original Japanese name. But when they when they were marketing that and wanted to bring that over to the United States, they were worried about assigning that to the fighter's name mm-hmm. and having Mike Tyson uh, potentially sue them or beat them so up. They, they shifted, <laughs> yeah, they shifted three of the the characters' names so that uh, he became Balrog in the uh, in the United States, and his name went to who we all know in the uh, the red suit the main uh, enemy of the game the final boss uh, and then that character's name was vega and that they moved that to the spanish character that wore a claw and a mask um the 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 hype and phenomenon around uh, street fighter 2 i mean street fighter 2 it spawned multi there there's like 17 different versions of street fighter 2 there are street the a whole series of Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter Three, which has multiple versions, Street Fighter Four, which has multiple versions, Street Fighter Five, which by the way, in February they just came out with Street Fighter Five Championship Edition on consoles. So that that's just it, it continues to this day. There was a a three D fighting version called Street Fighter EX, which had a few different versions. Um, here's here's another one for you. This was even more interesting to me just because going back in the day, Capcom brought characters in from Final Fight. Do you remember Final yeah. Fight? Yes. So Final Fight, you could pick uh, Guy, Cody, or Hagar, and you just got... I always you know, chose Hagar. Yeah, and you go down through <laughs> all the different uh, streets and just beat the crap out of people eventually. Um, good stuff. He was the big guy. He was the really big yes. guy. Yeah, the one that... Uh, wore like just pants <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah. i that's all i did was just i just wore pants identified with the character <laughs> oh my god there was also uh there's also a whole spinoff of versus series so uh marvel got involved with this and created um with with capcom the marvel versus capcom series there's there's other ones though that came before that like uh, street fighter versus x-men and uh, even before that, this uh, X-Men had uh, their own fighting game before that. It was X-Men Children of the Atom, if I remember correctly. And Ak- Akuma wa- from Street Fighter, Akuma was uh, a hidden character in that. 
Then uh, there's like other series they spun off, like Super Puzzle Puzzle Fighter, which I think you mentioned there was a uh, Puzzle Fighter on the PlayStation Mini. Super Gem Fighter, there's Rival Schools, has a character by the name of Sakura, who is a character also in the Street Fighter series. Now, we talk about that. That's all the video game stuff, but Street Fighter was like a massive phenomenon outside of that. And I'm sure you guys remember that probably... One of the best worst movies of all time, the Street Fighter movie. Yeah, saw that in the yeah. theater, man. Now, what what did the I seats saw... feel like? <laughs> the seats were still hard and uncomfortable, and the popcorn was stale. So you um, and and still better than the movie. <laughs> that's right, still better than the movie. Yeah, no, I was that was a weird one. I I tell you, I, I was excited to see it, and because I, I not only did I like Street Fighter, but I like Jean Claude Van Damme. Like, of I course. was excited that they cast him in that. I'm like, wow, this is going to be a great action movie, and it just did not turn out to be that at all. You, you didn't buy Jean Claude Van Damme as Guile, the American Army guy. No, <laughs> the, the American Army blonde surfer guy. Like he's like with the strange the, accent. The beret just didn't fit. You know, it's like that beret didn't fit. Yeah, no, it's a, that <laughs> but, was a stretch. But but don't forget. Raul Julia was in that bad boy, and I mean, you know, yes. I mean, so as M. Bison, he's the one that he'll save anything, you know. It, Unfortunately, Raul Julia was extremely sick during the filming of this movie. It was one of his last; it might have even been his last movie. It uh, was his last movie. Yeah, yeah, he was. He had terminal cancer, and uh, the only reason he took the role was because his kids loved Street Fighter so much that he wanted to make them happy which everybody that was on the the set with him said that he put every ounce of energy that he had left into performing for that movie. And uh, he's absolutely one of the best parts of the movie. Absolutely. He's got some great lines. For me, it was just Tuesday. That was a good one. Yes. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Get this. This is 1994 when this movie came out. And even back then, worldwide, the movie grossed almost, it's so close, almost $100 million. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and it, hold on. Wow. It was a Christmas release. It was a Christmas. Yes. Uh, 22nd or something. Yeah, 23rd. Yeah, it something was a like Christmas that. release of that year. So, yeah. And, and, that, and that was probably... I don't know. I wonder if that how much of a success that was considered ninety four. I don't even quite know. Well, that's that's not bad. Like hundred million is it, it's it's something like the sixtieth highest domestic movie that that year. Oh wow. So, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I didn't. That's, I didn't see it. What do you mean you didn't see it? I, I no, I didn't see it at the theater. I didn't see it at the theater. Oh, I was gonna say. I, yeah, I didn't see it. I, I do have one other thing to to work in about the movie. Oh, here. so the the movie. Also, ha- so the movie's based on a game, obviously, but they also released a game for the movie. There is Street Fighter the movie, the game that came out in the arcades <laughs> and on some consoles. That is a licensing triple Lindy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> to be able to wrap that around and then come right back full circle. So, what they did for this is unlike the other Street Fighter games where it was artwork that they used for the sprites. This one, they much along the lines of its rival Mortal Kombat, they digitized the uh, actors and actresses um, and, and used them, their digital images, 
in the fighting moves for the game. Wow. And those were the sprites. Uh, with a couple of interesting exceptions, uh, like Raul, he, he was not able to do all the fight stuff uh, for the digitization uh, at the time. So what they did was they used uh, a headshot from him in portions of the game, but then the, the character moves were a totally different actor. Yeah. But yeah, they digitized people and, and released a fighting game. It's not, it's definitely not the best street fighting, street fighter game in the series. I'll say that it's not terrible. It's playable. But it's not the best. I'm trying to see if it's available anywhere to watch. I kind of want to watch this movie now. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's it, it's pretty low rating, so it's probably not carried a lot of places. It's a cult classic a cult now, classic, though. I mean, sure. uh, I think I'm pretty sure I bought it on DVD. <laughs> oh, so you can borrow it, Dan? You can. You can oh, there we go. Up. Yeah. Okay. But what I was going to say, you know, going back uh, to one of the things you mentioned about Street Fighter Two and the configuration of the arcade. Uh, with the six buttons and the, the different colors too, you know, it was blue, what red, yellow or something, right? They, they had, and then I remember going and, you know, I don't know, the mid, the early 2000s, uh, everybody had those boards. I, I, I forget the manufacturer, the most popular one that would be playing competitive. You know, they'd be going and taking their own, um, you know, what is it? Who's the manufacturer of that actual controller board that, you know, competitive Street Fighter uh, and um, Mortal Kombat players were, were taking uh, around to different competitions. You know what I mean? It was just like what the name of that thing. The Hori Fight Stick type? Is that what it is? That what it, is it your, well, I mean, there's there's a, a number of them. I wanted you to say Hori, not me. Yeah, I bet you I did. It was trapping you. But I, yeah, for, but those, uh, I didn't want to call it something incorrect. But I remember how those were customizable and you know the you know kids and the adults that would uh, configure those buttons differently as well you know just based on the way your hand you know laid on that thing or whatever and i thought wow how amazing is it now that you could you know pull that board off because remember standing up at the arcade man there was only one angle you had on that and i'm pretty sure part of the you know problems i have with at least uh one vertebra in my back had to have come from the way I stood in front of <laughs> arcade games to get the right angle on those buttons. But anyway, just once again, you know, the other uh, just being strange with my physical ties <laughs> to all these games, it once again, you know, goes back to just having a... No, but you, you hit on the fact that there's like an incredibly competitive um, um, scene out there where people are like huge tournaments and... and uh, they call, I guess they call esports or whatever, right? That's the kind of stuff that's happening out there as far as people competing. Uh, and they play, they still play the original Street Fighter game. Like they don't, they're not, they're playing the new stuff as well, but a lot of them still like that original um, Street Fighter too. Oh, yeah. I remember going to Halo tournaments in, whew, God dang, was it like two, 2004 or something? I was trying to remember when Halo uh, competitive, but they were playing on 24 inch CRT monitors because they're just watching pixels, man. You know, they're they're and they if you didn't have a 24 inch CRT, uh, that's there was no other thing to play on. That was it. I'm not playing. And then they just sit there, you know, very uncomfortable uh, leaning forward on a chair, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, that's that's when I realized, you know, there was a difference. Man, I'll tell you, the, the old CRT monitors and uh, and then the beautiful you know, 8K stuff that you can play with. Now, there there was an advantage to some of the older, less, 
let's call them beautiful resolution type monitors, but uh, there was an advantage to gaming, you know, in some ways, just because of the monitor. <laughs> you know, the monitor gave away secrets of the game if you knew what to look for. And mm. so, anyway, that's uh, everybody was always telling me, you know, I'm not aiming for a character. I'm just looking at pixels. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, when you're when you're playing FPS games, I mean, you're you're not you're, you're doing the same thing. You're just clicking heads, right? You're just trying to click on heads, click this head, click that head as it goes by, you know. And that was never a good what what that's what we used to call Twitch gamers, you know. That's what everybody called, you know, first person shooters were Twitch gamers. And I was like, yeah, I'm not much of a Twitch gamer. I, I realized, you know, I was not, not too old. I mean, hell, I was making games. I was in my twenties. But I just preferred strategy games. <laughs> I was playing SimCity, Age of Empires, that kind of stuff. That I love that. Monster Truck Madness, love driving games. But I was never good at uh, Twitch gaming. And, of course, it, everybody now knows Twitch is just one of the greatest you know, streaming channels or streaming platforms. <laughs> and, by the way, that's where the name came from. <laughs> one hmm. wants to look it up. I guarantee you, Jeff Bezos did not invent that name. <laughs> no no he did not <laughs> yeah I think that we are out of quarters for the day so I think that's about all we can play today I want to tell you that I am Eric and I'm Smitty I'm Dan and until next time this is a game over game over